Hey, are you lonely? Did you just hit play on this podcast because you are all alone? Well, my name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the co-lead pastor of V1 here in New York. And here's the reality. We are put in situations where we often feel like we have to settle for our circle instead of selecting our circle. I mean, loneliness will force us to do the wrong thing when we're going through the process. And so I want you to take a listen to this message. I have a very, very special thing I wanted to tell you at the end of it. So you've got to make it on the other side. I'll see you there. Why isn't it different yet, right? Why haven't I changed yet? Why am I still the same? Why am I sick? Why am I tired, right? We've all asked those questions in our life. So we're in week two of a series called Instant, right? And so you might have seen, looks very Instagram-y-ish. Um, I know a lot of times we, we, want the, we want the end result now, right? But I wanna tell you that Man, God does some really good things in a process. So we're in that series. We're in week two. If you haven't listened, go back. It's really good. And uh, we're just going to get right into it today. Okay? Now, I'll be honest. When you preach about process, it's not really like that T.D. Jakes throwdown fest, right? You know, it's a little more uh, introspective. So I'm going to do my best to teach this morning. Also, my man voice is gone. Although I kind of, I don't know if you guys watch Friends when you had Phoebe with the cold voice. Okay, okay, so I'm gonna miss it. It's still kind of there, but I'm investing in some hardcore hand sanitizer, so it's all good. All right, so this morning we're talking about process. So how many know that it matters who you are around? Okay, so this is probably going to be a little bit of a note-heavy message. So if you're taking notes on your phone or you are uh, maybe taking notes on paper, um, it just, just write this down. You are who you are around, right? That, that, that same message from the time we were five to we're 50 to we're five, it's all the same. It's all the same. But um, Mike and I, we went to a, a conference a few months ago, and I, okay, so here's the thing about me. This is a humble brag, not even ashamed. I hate paying baggage fees, and I am really good at avoiding them. Yes, if you've traveled with me, you know. Thank you. I am good, Kiel, right? I'm, I'm super good. So I will roll, I will pack 25 outfits in a backpack. Like, I can do this. I am not afraid. It's all good. And so we went to this conference, and it was like a 24-hour trip. I don't even think we were gone that long. And so I'm like, I'm not paying a baggage fee, blah, 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 blah. And so I pride myself in how well I can pack, how I never forget anything. Well, guess what? We get to about, I don't know, maybe two hours before we're supposed to have dinner with these pastors. And I get there, and I'm like, I don't have any hair products. Yeah, ladies, it was bad. And I made this mistake. Men, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe men, if you have curly hair, you might know what I'm talking about. So you might be able to hang with me for a minute. All the curly, there was like two curly head men that were like, yeah, free bird. So I had this moment where I get there, I have no hair products. And I did this mistake, uh, ladies. So you're, you're just going to, sorry, you got, you got the woman preacher today. So you're going to get stories from that place. And so I, I made the mistake of washing my hair that morning and just kind of letting it air dry throughout the day. Okay? It's a hot mess. That's what it is. It's a hot mess. So I told Mike, I said, you've got to get me somewhere where I can have like a blow dry. I need some help here. And um, so we go to a salon and this is in the South. Okay. So, and this girl looks cute, trendy. I'm like, okay. You know, and she's like, do you have any preferences? And I don't know if you know me, you know, I trust people. 
Like I trust too much probably. And so I'm like, you're the professional, like whatever you think, just kind of down, you know, normal. So we're talking and we're hanging out. Turns out she goes to this church that I was, you know, getting that I was going to be at that night and um, she's doing my hair and I did one of those where I didn't look in the mirror like my back was to the mirror and we're talking and catching it and whatever and she turns the chair around and I look like literally Shirley Temple (laughs) I looked like I was going to a southern square dance and I'm like I gotta go see these people and what if I see her you know like if I go and change it do you know what I'm saying like so awkward but I was in the south and I went to a hair salon and I looked like I was from the south no offense if you're watching from the south okay I'm just a little more down for the Long Island blowout okay that's all I'm saying so you are who you hang with you are who you hang with your circle it matters we're gonna go right into scripture today now this is gonna be in the Old Testament right because we were we were talking about Saul and David we're gonna kind of continue that conversation today second Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 it says that there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David and David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. I want you to turn to somebody or post it on Facebook or post what it matters who you hang with. So last week we talked about process, right? If you haven't listened to the podcast or watched YouTube or whatever, I encourage you check that out. And we learned the difference between submitting to a process and fighting one. Yeah. Everybody just over here was like, ouch. And so we have King Saul who had a selfish heart. And we had King David, who was a man after God's own heart. And if you didn't grow up in church, or maybe that story is new to you, I want to just quickly explain. King Saul was crowned king and made poor choices. And so then God anointed another man named, or a boy, really, David, to be king, who made wise choices. And so David worked for this king. He did wars on his behalf. And he, and so there was a jealousy that grew from the man who abandoned what God had told him to do and the man who submitted to what God told him to do. Okay, so can you guys kind of envision that with me this morning? Okay, so we have King Saul who had a selfish heart. We had King David who had God's own heart. And in these two characters in the Bible that we talked about last week, you could probably find yourself in each of them, right? If you're a mom who drove kids to church, you probably talked like Saul this morning. But I'm not shaming you because I've been there, so it's okay. Might have been there this morning, right, mom? My mom's visiting today. I don't remember if I said that, but we'll celebrate her all day. It's fine. And so as we continue unpacking these these books in Samuel, we're going to be talking about who you surround yourself with during your process matters almost as much as your process does. Jesus doesn't do process without people. He can, but he won't. So he can do it without you, but he won't. He loves people and he loves you. And that's why the circle you find yourself in is so incredibly vital to accomplishing your purpose. So here's just a few scriptures that the Bible talks about who you surround yourself with. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down and I'll say it slow so you can jot it down. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Oh, cool. You guys got on the screen. Man, you guys are awesome. Our production team rocks. 
Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It doesn't say that bad company, except if they're family, so it's okay to subject yourself to their aggression, fear, and pain. It says bad company. Let's read another one. Don't say amen if your family's sitting by you. They might think you're talking about them. I'm just kidding. Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Some of y'all are gonna text that to somebody. It doesn't say, except for if you have loyalty, because you went to high school together, so it would be rude if you part ways, even though every time you reach a new level of success, they're so jealous of you, they can't stand it. That's not what that scripture says. Okay, let's read another one. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. It doesn't say iron sharpens clay. It says that strong people strengthen strong people. The softer surface does not sharpen the knife. It dulls the blade, not the other way around. So the the softer surface will eventually dull the knife. God uses people and circumstances in our life to get the greatness out of us, not so that we can be great, but so that we can show how great Jesus is through our submission to the process in our life. Now, here's the thing. I just want to clarify something. God doesn't cause traumatic circumstances as processes. I know that sometimes some of the demonic chatter that you might hear as we're going through a series like this is uh, the enemy might tell you, well, God caused your process. God caused your pain. God caused your divorce. God caused your miscarriage. God caused your, right? Has anybody ever heard these things? Or am I the only human in the room? Okay, so here's the thing. He redeems them through process. So it doesn't cause the childhood trauma or any of those things, but he'll redeem them through the process of forgiveness. He'll redeem them through the process of encouragement and forgiveness and hope and all those things. So I just want to give that disclaimer before we go any further, okay? And so if that's for you, just receive that. But a submission to a process will make you or break you, but so will the people who are around you during it. So it's vital that you go through life and be surrounded by the right people. Even Jesus, right, prayed about his circle. In Luke 6, it talks about that he prayed all night about who he was going to surround himself with. And yet we base our circle by who's in the neighboring cubicle, who's next door, who's convenient to spill the tea with, right? Who is... Going to split the the mega appetizer at the Applebee's. You guys, I love Applebee's, by the way. I am not ashamed to eat half-price appetizers. You all know. We'll go. So often, loneliness will cause you to settle for a circle instead of selecting people by good character. 
And let's just be real. Can we just be real for a second? Church of the real this morning. Making friends as an adult is really hard. It's really tough. It's almost worse than dating. And so you're like, you like, finally, maybe you might be talking to someone in the church lobby or maybe you're, you know, I don't know, you see someone on Facebook and then you have to make that awkward ask, right? So you want to like hang out sometime? It's weird. Can we just make V1 a church a place that it's not weird to ask people to hang out, be friends, right? How many want a good circle? How many want to be around people who are going to hold them accountable, right? Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, don't be weird, just ask me. Okay. See, I just broke the ice for all of you. You guys are all going to be going to Applebee's tonight. Yes. Okay, don't yell out all your appetizers. I don't want to hear it. So as an adult, instead of choosing our circles, we become subject to them. We allow our influences to do the leading instead of biblical principles doing the leading through godly men and women that we pray the Holy Spirit sends to us. Sometimes we just take what we can get. Did you know that you can pray about your friends? Did you know that you could pray about the influences in your life? So here's the thing. It's easier to get around people who agree with you. That's easy. That's what Saul did. He just built a whole circle around people who were like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Saul would do this crazy evil thing and everybody would carry it out because they never second guessed him. It's easy to make friends with people who also think your spouse is a jerk. That makes for a great dinner conversation, by the way. But that doesn't mean that that's the right thing, doesn't mean that it honors God, doesn't mean that it's godly, and doesn't mean that it's going to bring any healing or good fruit in your life. It is much harder to find people who are going to pray and believe God for breakthrough in your marriage. It is much harder to find people who say, hold up. Have you prayed about it first? And it's much harder for somebody in your circle to say, you know what? Maybe it's you. So here's just a couple rhetorical questions that I'm just going to ask this morning. I'm just going to throw them out there. And then if they apply to you, maybe write them down and think about them later. Pray about them later. Find scriptures about, about them later. But here's, um, here's the first one. Does my circle open up my purpose or does it shrink it? Maybe the reason that your current group has left you feeling lonely or unfulfilled is because they don't understand the weight, the purpose, and the calling that is on your life. A lot of great people have to go alone for a season. You can have a circle of 50 people who don't get it and be more lonely than if you had a circle of just one person who gets it who gets what God's called you to do. Your family may not understand, and your friends that you've had since high school or grew up in the neighborhood together or whatever may not understand it, and proximity and convenience by themselves are not good enough reasons for someone to be in your life. Just because you feel bad for them doesn't mean they need to be in your circle. That one was free. Jesus chose his circle based on mission, not geographical location or convenience. Yeah. 
In fact, he couldn't even perform miracles in his hometown because the people around him, his homies, who he grew up with, didn't get it. Here's another question. Does my circle talk about growth, the grind, right? But resist when I make actual progress. People desire to be understood, and sometimes we stay in toxic circles where we feel understood at our current level, but they won't understand us at the level that we're called to be at. You might outgrow some people along your journey. Maybe you're here listening to me talk about circles, and you're thinking about, well, I don't even have anybody right? That's the reality for some of them. And so, and so maybe the question to ask you this morning is, does your circle even exist? Isolation stops process in its tracks. I want to read to you, there's a study in the news, and it was about uh, the increasing loneliness in generations. So we have Gen Zers, right? This is ages 18 to 22. You can find this, I think it's on USA Today or something like that if you want to look at it later. Gen Zers, ages 18 to 22, scored a loneliness rate of 48.3 out of 80, making them the loneliest generation. So our youngest, most relevant, most hip, most connected, most Instagrammable, most YouTube, loneliest generation. Millennials ages 23 to 37 come in second with a loneliness score of 45.3. And the least lonely generation is 72 and older. Y'all better get some 72 and older in your circle and show you how to be connected. Amen. Multi-generational church, multi-generational influence. Stop asking 20-year-olds what they should do. Ask somebody who actually did something and accomplished something what they should do. That one was free too. So people are feeling more isolated than ever, even with the super, superficial connections on social media. You might look at something, right, this series, and say, oh, their life looks so good. She looks like she's the best mom. He looks like he's so happy. They look like they have it all together, lonely. It's not always, it's not, it doesn't always tell the story. So whatever state that your circle is today, I believe there's something for you in this story of Saul and David. So we're going to dive just a little bit into this, but I want to give you just a little bit of background because you may or may not know this story. You may or may not color the page in Sunday school. So we're just going to start from the beginning here. Um, Saul was crowned king, right? We said that at the beginning. Saul was crowned king and he just made some poor choices. And so then we had this young boy named David and God saw him and saw his heart and anointed him to be king. And so David, while Saul's king, ends up killing a giant. He wins battles. He comes into town and the entire community is saying, Saul killed a thousand, but David 10,000. And so you can see where Saul is watching this from a distance, right? And there's probably some jealousy there. And that jealousy as a leader crept into his team, right? And so what happens is, is we have this Saul, you know, Saul slain a thousand, David 10,000. And then Saul's son becomes best friends with David. And we're going to read about his loyalty in just a minute. And then you have uh, Saul and then David marries Saul's daughters, right? Can you even imagine? I know, right? The Bible's juicy. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, I never heard that. 
juicier than a soap opera. So we have this tension between a good leader and a bad leader, between good circle and a bad circle. And so you have a good king who isn't king yet. And then you have a wicked king who is currently king making decisions. And, and so Saul has a way of doing life and he has a way of talking to people and leading people. And then David has a way of doing his life and leading his people. And you have Saul who's selfish and you have David who wants God so desperately. And now David, now he, now David had massive failures. Okay. So if you've never read this story, I'm just going to give you the the bad news is he ends up having an affair later in life. But here's the difference between Saul and David. David is always repentant. David always surround himself with wise, honorable, valiant men. David did not surround himself with yes people. He sought counsel. And so here's the thing. Those two differences uh, between a wicked king and a, and a good king, it framed up the way that they led and they loved and they influenced and they interacted. And so I just want to tell you this. No matter how bad you want to do life alone, you can't. And no matter how well you think you can do life alone, you can't. David couldn't do it alone. Saul couldn't do it alone. And even Jesus chose to surround people with him. And guess what? Jesus can't do it without you either. He can, but he won't. So here's the thing. It's important that as you are going through a process that you choose your circles wisely. So you, King Saul ends up pursuing David and, and David ends up having to flee for his life. And on multiple occasions, Saul tried to kill him and he tried to use his sphere of influence to chase him down and ends up taking a group of men. And Jonathan actually helps David. Saul's son actually helps David, makes a way of escape. And so the book continues with David making wise choices and Saul making compromises, irrational and emotional choices that led to death, chaos, fear, and confusion. Let's jump into scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1 through 8. So I'm going to read about eight scriptures to you, and I'm going to try to read it in my valley girl fastest way that I can this morning. That was a joke. I know, it gets a little tense, right, when we're talking about process. So chapter 19, and Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you. Let's pause right there. Jonathan was loyal to his circle. Jonathan looked at his own father in the eye and said, why, why are you doing this? You need to have people who are not yes men in your circle. So he said, if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David. Let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life 
in the hand and struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. And he's telling his father, he's trying to remind him, he's trying to speak wisdom to Saul. Why then would you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Or in other words, why then would you talk about somebody who didn't do nothing to you? Why then would you go against somebody who hasn't hurt you? Is that resonating with anybody this morning? You don't say amen because you'll sell yourself out. Don't do that. (laughs) And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David and Jonathan reported him to all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. Here's the thing. A good squad has your back when you are not in the room. If you are always worried if this or that person is talking about you, or maybe this or that person isn't being loyal to you, it's probably because they're not. Use wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying go just like accusing people. Use wisdom. Pray. Look for fruit. Godly fruit, godly root. Godly fruit, godly root. Here are just a few things about a circle in a process. So if you're taking notes, you can write these three things down really quick. Toxic circle, toxic results. David reaped loyalty and protection through Jonathan for sowing seeds of honor to God. If you are constantly around drama in your life, what seeds are you sowing? Honor reaps honor. Trust reaps trust. Drama reaps drama. I love what Juanita Bynum said years ago. She said, if you got lots of issues, it's you. (laughs) I think it's so easy, right, to blame another person, but a good sphere of influence around you will say, hey, maybe it's you, right? You need people in your life who are going to call you on it. Number two, so the first one was toxic circle, toxic results. Second one, now friends, future results. Now, friends, future results. Whether you are 5, 15, 55, 65, 85, 105, or 505, you are who you hang with. Number three, yes men equal weak results. Saul had yes men. Now, here's the thing. When that scripture verse, when he's talking he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to kill David. And only one person, Jonathan, said, no, that's not the right thing. Yes men equal weak, weak results. David had faithful men, men who were able to tell him the truth, to give him wisdom. Here's the thing. Have you heard that line, blood is thicker than water? Have you ever heard that at Thanksgiving? Blood is thicker than water. Let me just challenge you. Spirit is thicker than blood. Sometimes your family doesn't want you to break the cycle because it's actually more comfortable for them if you stay the same. Sometimes your friends don't want you to break the cycle and go to the next level because you're actually more fun when you're just eating wings at Applebee's every night. Someone take me to Applebee's. (laughs) 
spirit is thicker than blood. You need people who are going to challenge you. You need people who are going to say, no, this is the word of the Lord for your life. Don't settle. You got to run with people who understand God's purpose for your life. Or at least let them be the louder voice. It's so important to pick your people wisely because you never know when the kindness of God that you sowed into someone can come back to bless you generations later. Your seeds of godly circles, right? When you drop a pebble in the water, what happens? Those circles just grow and grow and grow. The people who you hang around with are sowing seeds for who your children are gonna hang around with. I, hung, I hang around godly people because my parents hung around godly people. My kids are gonna hang around godly people because I hang around godly people. So sometimes these, so, these seeds are very eternal seeds that are gonna be being sown. See, Jonathan's heart was towards David, even though Jonathan was actually the one who was supposed to be king. Real friends don't mind if you get a promotion. Real friends don't mind if you're more successful than, than them. Real friends don't mind if your marriage is flourishing and you don't want to gossip about your spouse and you don't want to gossip about your friends and you don't want to dishonor your boss and you don't want to shame the delegated authority that God put in your life. So fast forward, um, Saul and Jonathan. So Jonathan was Saul's son. They end up dying in battle on the same day. And so Jonathan, at the time, had a son, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, I've been practicing that name all week, people. Challenge me. No, for real, you can challenge me on the way out if you're a scholar and you know how to say it. You can try saying it three times fast at Applebee's just for fun. That was last time, last time. I'm not bringing it up anymore. Mephibosheth. So Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, and what happens is uh, the night, the day that Saul and Jonathan die, it was customary, so they know that, okay, they died, and so David's gonna take over and be king. It was customary in that time for the entire monarchy, what was left, the sons, the, the different um, people left, it was customary for them to be completely wiped out because they didn't want any threats to the next line coming in. And so in the middle of the, the night or in the middle of the upheaval, uh, the, the nurse takes the child and is fleeing um, to save his life. And what, what ends up happening is that in the middle of this flea in a rush, she ends up dropping the child on, on his legs and he becomes crippled. And they keep him in hiding so he's safe. And all these years later, King David says to his circle, right, wise men, wise women, and said, who can I show mercy to in the house of Saul? And none of his people said, you don't want to show him mercy. He shamed you. He tried to kill you a hundred times. He chased you in the desert, blah, 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 right? They said, actually, we know. Jonathan had a son, and he's in, he's in hiding right now. And so David said, come bring him to me. I want to show kindness and mercy to him. And so Mephibosheth gets there, shaking, thinking that, oh, okay, my time has come. They saved my life then, but now they're coming to kill me and get rid of me, so there's no threat. And David says, I want to restore to you everything. 
I want to give you back your land. I want to give you back your honor. I want to give you back. And not only that, I want you, King David says to Mephibosheth, the person who's supposed to, who was supposed to be killed all those years ago, the person who's been living in squalor and shame and fear, he says, not only do I want to restore everything to you, but I want you to come and sit at the king's table every day. Mephibosheth probably didn't like, probably didn't even think he had a circle, right? Maybe that last rhetorical question. I don't think I even have anybody. In fact, he might not have felt like he didn't have not one person, not one safe person because his line had so much shame from all of Saul's mistakes, his grandfather's mistakes. And yet he was invited to sit at the king's table. And you might have come to church today feeling like Mephibosheth crippled with whatever disease, addiction, fear, shame, marital stress, loneliness. You might have walked in with that today, but I want to tell you that we are all Mephibosheth. We are all the person who's broken, who has nothing to offer. And yet Jesus comes in all of his mercy and all of his grace and says, come and sit with me. Be a part of my circle. Be a part of what I'm doing. Let me give you a new name and a new influence and a new season of blessing in your life. Coming to church is sitting at the king's table this morning because all of the crippling things that happen to it, they're, they're not visible when you're all eating together. And so every week that you come to church, you're sharpening against another knife, right? You're not sharpening against a dull surface. You're coming in and saying, we're gonna worship together. We're gonna believe God's word together. Oh, you're having financial trouble? That's okay. We're gonna pray in faith that things are gonna be well. We're gonna have you join a dinner party or a team and serve together and bring purpose and honor back into your life. That's what we do every week. And I don't know about you, but I'm better every week that I see Eric and Elisana Karai. I'm better every week that I see Kiel and Efren. I'm better every week when I see Wendy and Kevin and Ashley Kay. I'm better. And so this morning, if you've had some toxicity in your life, I'm going to pray that the Lord not only would heal the damage that has happened from that, but that you would find a seat in a new circle of godly men and women who want to cheer you on into what God has and called for you to do. Okay, so what an incredible message by Pastor Julie. Now, I promised you something special, and here it is. We've had people from all over the world and other places in the United States, and they've asked us, how can we be a part of V1 Church if we don't live in New York? Well, here's the solution. If you go to Facebook right now, do it right now while I'm still talking, and search the official V1 Church eFam. It's a closed group with exclusive content, and we do community in the comments all week long. I want to see you there, and I'll see you right now, or I'll see you next week via the podcast.